0: You're listening to the YouMentor Talk Show. I'm your host Fatima El-Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Mohsen and Tasneem Megji. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, please leave them in the comments section so we can answer them throughout the show. Today's guest is Imran Datu. Imran keeps people's heart rate stable as a pharmacist and lights up their hearts with a love for the Ahlul Bayt, when he recites.
1: Assalamu alaykum, Imran. How are you?
2: Wa alaikum salam rahmatullah. I'm very well. Thank you. And yourself?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show today.
2: No, it's an honor. Thank you for the invitation. I'm looking forward to it.
1: I'm looking forward for everyone to hear um, the (laughs) amazing, you know, contrast you have within what you do. Um, You are a pharmacist, but you also recite, uh, we're calling it recitation for the purposes of the show, Um, Nasheed, Latvia, et cetera. I'll let you explain more about it. Um, how How did you get into pharmacy, first of all?
2: So um, pharmacy, I think, um, during my GCSE years, so I think when I when I was around 15, 16 years old, it stemmed from my interest in, um, I don't know, it's a bit geeky and a bit nerdy, but like mathematics and chemistry mm-hmm. was um, something I, I really enjoyed as a subject in school. And, um, you know, that led to the next question as to what could these subjects lead to career-wise? Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, pharmacy shouted, you know, shouted at me. And I think um, also... As that science, those sciences could lead towards a uh, the route of being a doctor as well. But I'm not very fond, or I don't really like the idea of um, you know cutting bodies, which I believe is a training. <laughs> so, um, so I think pharmacy was something that um, you know shouted out to me as a lot of math and chemistry involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, and the idea of helping people as well was there. So I think that that's why it, it, it appealed to me as a career.
1: Did you always know that you loved math and sciences since you were younger?
2: um not not so much younger i think um it was i guess through i knew i knew times high school and our time secondary school We're going towards mm-hmm. that it was just um i found i don't know you know what maybe it's because my uh, father is a chartered accountant so i have uh, numbers in my blood so <laughs> i guess that, that that also helped um i guess things and yeah it was just something that i enjoyed and um so yeah so it has mainly been um those uh, subjects mm-hmm. and i think um Going further into studies, I also th- um, did the computing and the, I, I actually loved uh, building websites and, um, you know, at the stage, I did have a bit of a doubt to kind of, should I go into coding, mm-hmm. should I go into graphic design? Um, but, uh, but then I think, you know, with the guidance of the parents too, and, you know, just when I kept my mind straight, I think pharmacy was, mm-hmm. alhamdulillah, the right choice um, to go into.
1: Uh, you mentioned something, uh, you said, in our terms, um, high school in your terms. What do you mean by your terms? You are out of the world.
2: Yes, yeah, so, so I'm in the UK, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in a, in a little city called Peterborough. Uh, not many people have heard of it, but um, it's uh, it's north to London. I guess that's the best geography I can give. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yes, yeah, so I'm I'm here in the UK, and we refer to high school, I guess, as secondary school. Mm-hmm.
1: So <laughs> interesting. Oh, it's nice to just uh, know that because people. Um, may assume that you're you know from North America. Um,
2: okay. I hope my hope my accent is makes it clear that I I'm from <laughs>
1: you know you get a lot of people who um, actually studied in different countries in schools that are um, you know they speak with that accent so yeah, and they live in well. America so it's mm-hmm. uh, you know sometimes you never actually know.
2: You never know. <laughs> yeah
1: um, so in the UK what's the process like in terms of uh, applying to become a pharmacist?
2: So um, I think it mainly starts with, uh, like I said, the GCSEs. um, And um, universities basically look for certain grades because um, careers like or uh, courses like pharmacy, medicine, um, optometry, dentistry, they're quite competitive. So um, universities do demand um, a certain type of grades. So from the GCSE level and uh, more so A levels, Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a a body called UCAS where you accumulate points through your A-levels and the university will offer you the degree so long as you like a conditional offer so long as you uh, get the particular grades they require in the subjects that they specify so it's quite a specific um, requirement from them Mm -hmm. Um, and it does add a little bit of pressure um, you know to yourself and especially in my my case um, I remember they they needed me to get certain grades and they need me to get a a B in biology as well as a science and um, I wasn't amazing at biology I always used to get consistent C's so it did add uh, a lot of pressure in that aspect but alhamdulillah at the end um, you know with the help of Allah and Ahlul Bayt um, I managed to get the results that I needed.
1: Now you um, in the UK you finished with a master's correct? Um, The four years of undergrad you finished with a master's degree?
2: Um, Yeah, that's correct. So the, so the course that uh, they offer for pharmacy in the, uh, in the UK, it's a master's degree. So you do your four years and you graduate with a Mm -hmm. master's. um, And then that's followed by a a one year pre-registration year where you are working in a pharmacy. So it's more of a hands-on learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end of that, you have an exam, which is like a national exam, the whole of UK, um, you know, all the pre-reg pharmacy students uh, sit the exam and you pass that, then you can uh, practice as a pharmacist from there on
1: and currently you're practicing um alhamdulillah,
2: yeah, so this is my six, i've been practicing for six years now so mm-hmm. uh, yeah i'm in my sixth year practicing
1: what I, I think there's like a couple um different how do you say uh like you can be a local pharmacist you can be part of like a small community you can be in uh, different types of pharmacy correct
2: yeah, so there are mainly in the, in, the, in the UK and I'm sure around the world, mainly there are three types of um, pharmacy you can go into. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that, I, that I'm within is known as a community pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I think, it, like in, in the States and in Canada, it's like Costco, Walmart, and being part of that retail kind of group. But mm-hmm. in the UK, I think it's more um, community-based. So the pharmacy that I'm particularly in, uh, we're within a very small village. And the idea is to kind of, you know, integrate with the community as much as you can and, um, you know, make them also feel that uh, they can come to the pharmacy, even just for a little uh, chat. And, you know, it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, you make the uh, healthcare care, um, obviously, priority one, uh, but it's also a nicer, friendly environment. And uh, I'm someone, as you can probably tell by now, who loves to talk. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a perfect environment for me. Yeah. So that's one. Um, then you also can go into hospital pharmacy where it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's very much more clinically based. And, you know, you go on ward rounds uh, and you uh, observe and assess patients and look at the different uh, blood test results and mm-hmm. things like that. And um, so it's a more, you know, a professional clinical uh, based role. And, um, and finally, you have a industrial pharmacy role you can go into where it's more with research labs and uh, actually making the um, uh, tablets and the liquids and the things that mm-hmm. we actually see at the community pharmacy so yeah
1: now in terms of a community pharmacy um i would imagine that you would know most of the people that come in
2: yeah so uh, it's it's uh, so in fact the, the current job i'm in i've only started it um three months ago um and uh, so it's a new village it's a new place so we're just getting to know um everyone at the moment mm-hmm. so it, it's nice it's like it's a nice feel um but um, you know and I, th- and I think it's likewise with the patients they want to get to know the pharmacist as well yeah. so it's um it's we're building on the relationships but so far so good alhamdulillah we haven't had any complaints as such
1: yeah alhamdulillah. how does uh, knowing the community change uh, or um, affect your role as a pharmacist um for yeah. example like we're used to going to i can speak for myself i'm used to going to costco and just grabbing my medication and leaving um so how does that change that interaction
2: so I think when you when you know uh, patients on a more personal level, and I think you'll find um, being in a village when you see people more often, they will tend to open up more to you as well with regards mm-hmm. to not just their medication but even their lives. And um, sometimes you may discover, you know, they have um, stress, and you can potentially help them with that, or at least mm-hmm. signpost them to the correct place. And I think this that you know it builds uh, it breaks barriers and it builds a nice rapport with the patients. And I think um, in turn you naturally go a little bit you know you go the extra mile to kind of uh look after them a bit more Mm -hmm. um you know for example you they make uh, you may get a patient who comes in who's expecting a prescription but you know maybe the doctors haven't sent us the prescription yet so you know you'd make sure you can you know rather than normally what the process would be is tell the patient to ring the doctors and find out what's happening with the prescription mm-hmm. but if you know someone you know you may think you know what don't worry about it take a seat I'll actually ring the doctors and let me figure out what's going on for mm-hmm. you so I think it just built, uh, builds that rapport and makes you want to kind of go that extra mile to give more of a service if you will mm-hmm.
1: and it makes it easier for the, the patients who are coming in
2: absolutely you know something uh, a continuity is something um, everyone likes and you know mm-hmm. to see a familiar face um it helps it helps absolutely
1: what are the core skills someone should have um in order to be s- successful as a pharmacist
2: um so i think um speaking uh, from my point of view so in a community pharmacy um i think you definitely need people skills people skills is a must because you know you're interacting with the patients um the whole day i mean you know that that's um what you're doing not just um checking off the prescriptions but you're actually giving advice you're counseling the patients Mm -hmm. so you know if you don't have people skills they may find you a little bit abrupt um, and may not the main thing is may not uh, appear to be approachable and if you lose that approachability then I think you're you're losing um, uh, a a reputation of yours um, as a community pharmacist so I think um, people skills is number one and also if you're managing the store um, you know you need leadership skills you need to be organized Um, and you not need to know how to deal with stuff issues and it -hmm. actually opens up your eyes quite a lot as to how um, different people exist in the world because you know um, you just feel that oh yeah this is the way I do things but then there's someone who can uh, you know the same thing can be looked at like 10 different ways by 10 different people so it it opens it's interesting to actually uh, understand the human interaction and the human mind how it works in different ways and how to overcome that as well
1: yeah um that's uh, very interesting to hear because I think a lot of people might have these skills, but maybe uh, scared because of the math and science side. So can you tell us a bit more about how much math and science it really takes and if uh, like how good you have to be at that, and if something can also over uh, weigh something else?
2: Yeah, so like, I think with, um, especially with regards to the entry requirements to the course, um, maths is a must. So that's like wajib. Yeah. <laughs> you need to, but, and um, and then one science um, is, is also a must. So that can be the chemistry, biology or physics. Mm-hmm. Um, and within the course, maths is a core aspect. So you have like a lot of um, percentage of your degree goes towards math examination. Mm-hmm. Um, and simply because during your pharmacy, when you start practicing, you're uh, involved a lot in dosage calculations and to make sure you give uh, the right, say, amount of tablets. Um, yeah. And um, it, yeah, it, it sounds like it's not much, but I think when you look at what there is, uh, what different types of calculations that you mm-hmm. can do and what kind of um, things you need for patient safety especially that adds yeah, a lot more depth and more um, pressure onto you as well so mm-hmm. um, you need to be fairly good at it I would say um, mm-hmm. but I mean take my example at A-levels um, I, I wasn't the best in like you know I, I was struggling that jump from GCSE to A-levels was a little bit much mm-hmm. so I actually got tuitions um, private tuitions after school um, and I that that really really helps so you know sometimes you do need a little bit of extra help Um, And there's no shame in that, um, but, you know, inshallah, that helps for you to get to your end goal.
1: Yeah. Um, And because it is uh, the nature of the job to be very precise and um, have a lot of attention to detail uh, for the patient's safety. Absolutely. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, So moving now on to the reciting part, um, how did you how did you how did you get into this? Like what inspired you?
2: So reciting, um, okay, so this, the main, main inspiration, um, I'll have to give credit to my mom. Uh, mm-hmm. Mom, since, alhamdulillah, she has a beautiful voice herself. And I think since we were young, uh, me and my brother, she she trained us to recite and, you know, she always encouraged us and it was always a, um, recitation was always a positive thing in, in our house. And, you know, it would, uh, she would always promote us to practice at home. And um, whenever we got a chance in mosque uh, to recite, you know, she'd always say, just you know, go recite. Um, you know, we're doing it for um, Imam. We're doing it for the Ahlul Bayt and for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I think since we were six and seven years old, um, we've been reciting. And it, I think, them, yeah, it's all thanks to Mum who actually got us into it.
1: Do you and your brother do this together, or each one
2: is separate? Yeah, so we initially we started off, uh, and t- even till today, at times we do recite together mm-hmm. um, uh, whenever we can um but it's just um, sometimes if one of us is busy or you know some uh, an invitation comes up here and there then we we, you know probably do a solo once as well especially i think with life moving on and um, different priorities different um, timings. sometimes we can attend sometimes we can't attend Mm -hmm. together so uh, there has been a lot more solo recitations but when we do get a chance we also do like to um, recite together
1: And is this the same brother who you're co, uh, did you say co-managing a pharmacy together?
2: (laughs) Yes, yeah, so we're actually, uh, yeah, so my brother's a pharmacist as well, Mm -hmm. and we're both co-managing the the, uh, pharmacy we're currently in, so alhamdulillah that uh, close-knitness is there, and it's easier to work with as well, so yeah.
1: It's beautiful to have that uh, family bond in all of your uh, passions as well, which is so, so nice.
2: Yeah, Alhamdulillah again credit has to go to our parents, um, mm-hmm. you know, for all that they've done for us from from childhood, you know we can't ever obviously thank them enough, but inshallah we yeah. pray for them and their success and reward.
1: Inshallah. Um, so tell us about the first time or the first time that you can recall that you went up on stage and recited in front of people, how was that experience.
2: Um, yeah, so this, this one's a little bit of a, um, a funny memory for myself, and um, I remember it very clearly because it was uh, the first, I think, one of the first mishaps that we did, we did um, <laughs> on the mic. So I remember, I think we might have been probably maybe eight, nine, very young, under ten for sure, and uh, I remember it was uh, the wiladah of Imam Ali, alayhi salam, or at least we were reciting about Imam Ali, alayhi salam, and we had practiced this a lot at home. Um, and uh, you know me and my brother were like in sync we're like okay let's do this and um, we go onto the mic and as it is being that young it's very nerve-wracking as it is we were very nervous going in um just because yes sorry
1: how old were you at the time
2: oh sorry um we were maybe around eight and nine because my brother's just a year and a half younger yeah so we were under 10 for sure um so you know going in front of uh you know an adult crowd and like a proper mosque program it was mm-hmm. very um, obviously we were both very nervous and um so anyway we went on and um we recited salawat and you know when we were about to start we started we messed the tune up <laughs> we recited oh sometimes God. the same words but in a in a different tune and i remember very clearly my brother then looked up at me <laughs> he said what do we do <laughs> And, you know and that everyone's looking at us and i'm just like i don't know and you know and, and the whole crowd was just reciting more salawat after salawat and i was just like oh man so you know like i just had to in my mind quickly run through the the tune and inshallah mm. the hope that it came out and alhamdulillah as soon as i remembered it i think everybody was mid salawat but i just started reciting because i was like right i know it so let's just let's do, just it. do so, it now. <laughs> yeah. So alhamdulillah, it, it worked out in the end, but oh, man, oh, man, that, it was tough.
1: <laughs> but it's nice when I think when little kids come up and they do mess up or anything, uh, the community is very good at just helping them along um, by filling in that awkward yeah, you know, absolutely, space absolutely, with salawat yeah. or, you know, right. encouragement.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that was the best thing that we needed and we could mm-hmm. hope for at that time um so alhamdulillah yeah the communities are very very good as well in that sense
1: what do you, what message would you give to um young kids who do want to go up and say something but they don't have the opportunity or the chance or they're they're scared
2: yeah i think yeah i think i, I actually see and hear of this a lot more nowadays where mm-hmm. um there is there is a passion to recite like um you know i think with the new generation um urdu and the uh, You know, Urdu being the typical language that we recite in, Mm -hmm. um, it's starting to become a bit outdated. And, uh, you know, the younger generation are looking more into the English recitations and, um, you know, and they listen to people uh, like um, Ali Fadl and Nuri Mm -hmm. Sardar. These are, you know, good friends of mine who are also um, very popular in our community. And, uh, you know, they take inspiration from them uh, reciting English. But, like you said, if they are a bit scared, nervous, or they don't get the opportunity, um, the one thing I would say is never get disheartened because at the end of the day you are you are doing this uh, or rather your passion is becoming alive in your heart for the ahlul bayt salam and uh, you know it's for allah subhanahu wa taala. so it's a case of just um persevering and just even if it means you get a chance to recite at home in front of your parents that's amazing that's that's good enough because at the end of the day um the practice is happening and yeah. you know, Allah will give you that opportunity 100%. You know, your your intention is there. You want to do it for Imam. You want to please Imam. Um, you will 100% get that opportunity one day. So never um, feel disheartened and, and never shy down from it. Um, and you know, it's um, it and you know, some people say, "Oh, I don't have a nice voice." Honestly, mm-hmm. it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about having the intention to recite for Imam, and that's the main thing because. Somebody with, um, you know, the most beautiful voice, if they have even a slight amount of, you know, incorrect intention that, oh, I want to impress so-and-so, rather than I want to impress my imam. And somebody with a, um, you know, a voice perhaps not so finely tuned, um, you know, who really just wants to recite for imam, you know what, that's probably going to be accepted 10 times more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I always say just go ahead, you know, carry on, keep practicing as much as you can um and inshallah the opportunity will arise
1: yeah um and to for you as uh, you're going through high school and university and all of that did you ever uh, you were reciting at the time correct
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: um did you ever feel the urge to you know not do it anymore or um, did you feel like you were discouraged at any, at any point
2: I think um, I think the only I, I, in terms of stopping, Alhamdulillah, has never occurred to me. So I've mm-hmm. always really, uh, you know, this passion to recite has has never stopped. Alhamdulillah, and you know, I, in, it, that I consider a blessing in itself uh, from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala because um, you know the world we live in is it's a dangerous place. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, let's be honest, it's it's there are so many there's so much haram going on around us. And um, but there was a time, like there was a time in university um, when um you know your friend circle is very very important you know we also have Mm -hmm. uh, hadiths from prophets and imams saying you know um spend time with people who uh, remind you who allow you to remember god more Mm -hmm. but um you know again in the western society that we are sometimes you know those those crowds are you know not as easily available as we think so i think there was a time where i had a friend circle who were very much into you know listening to music mm-hmm. um and you know that that would be the go-to thing you know when it was time to chill you're like okay let's put this on let's put this on and you know unfortunately i also was involved in that crowd um you know maybe not necessarily saying oh uh, you know let's listen to this track or this track but at the same time i never stopped anyone from turning it on mm-hmm. so i think at that time Something that kept me go well, well, what made me stop eventually was that you know what I'm reciting, um, you know the names of Imam Hussein. I'm reciting the praises of Imam Ali alayhi salam. It makes me a hypocrite if I'm listening to haram because mm-hmm. this is something that the Ahlul Bayt have taught us not to do. And you know we always hear uh, practice what you preach. And mm-hmm. essentially this is what I'm doing. This is I'm you know I'm going on the mic and reciting about the uh, Fadail and, this, and the praises of the Ahlul Bayt mm-hmm. And then, you know, during, during my chill time, I would do this. So I think that was a, rather than anything to take me away from reciting, it was more uh, a, a vehicle to kind of take me closer to Allah and to actually stop mm-hmm. that side of my life, um, you know, and to take me away. And, and no, I, I'm, alhamdulillah, I took myself away from that um uh, the music time, if you mm-hmm. will. And I kind of filled it with listening to nasheeds and nohas. Um, so alhamdulillah, yeah, it, in fact, yeah. So rather than stopping me from reciting, it actually pulled me closer to reciting more and um, actually stopping that haram. So I think that was a benefit uh, from this.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think listening to uh, nasheed and dua and um, any kind of uh, Mawlid latiniyah, is a good substitute for someone who does want to stop listening to
2: music? Um, I think so because I'll be honest. That's what I did. So mm-hmm. um, you know, rather than filling my days up with music, it was, it was, it literally initially I did use it as a, as a substitute in the hope that um, you know after a while this would uh, become a love for me, um, and you know, and it would eradicate the need to listen to any any haram at all. And um, and yeah, for sure, one hundred percent, it works. One hundred percent. You know, even even if even if I'll go as far as to say, even if initially you're listening to the nohas and stuff just for the nice uh, tune of it, mm-hmm. it's better than listening to the haram. Because whether you know, when you're listening to the tune, at least it's uh, the lyrics are subconsciously being entered. Um, but it's always in honor of the Ahlul Bayt yeah. So um, so yeah, for sure, I think it's a good vehicle to do it that way.
1: Um, what did you do initially to prepare yourself for uh, a recitation or to prepare yourself for uh, a wedding ceremony? You do weddings as well, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So what do you um, do I to think, prepare yourself for those big
2: crowds? So I think uh, like initially in, well, in the beginning years of reciting, I think nerves was a very big factor um, mm-hmm. in terms of to try to overcome. Because, you know, we're all human and it's, it, it wouldn't be natural to go up in front of a crowd and not be nervous. Um, but uh, me personally, uh, before I go up to recite anywhere, you know, whatever, whatever this uh, event is, um, I, I always have a personal little du'a that I recite um, you know, and I do a tawassal through uh, Sayyidah Zahra. A.s. And I, I just pray to her you know, um, in my own way to protect me um, during, during the recitation and to not allow my intention to falter at all and to allow the recitation to go smoothly because at the end of the day, we're doing it for her and for her family. Um, And you know, it's just a little dua. And I always feel that, you know, whenever I recite, I always have her protection. Um, It's strange to say, um, but I think when you experience it, when you feel it, it's it's, it's something that I can't actually explain. But, um, you know, an example I could give is, for example, um, literally two weeks ago, I think there was a wedding event I attended and I started reciting. And um, again, on this in, instance, you know, I, I kind of either forgot the lyrics or I forgot the tune. There was some error that I did. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the way I recovered it was, uh, I believe, the beauty of this protection that, I, you know, that I feel that I have from Bibi Fatima. And it was, you know, after I recited, I was just like, wow, you know, Alhamdulillah, I recovered from it pretty well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's important to know that, you know, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. It was, I truly believe it is the actual protection of um, Said the Zahra that allowed me to mm. kind of do it that way
1: that's beautiful um it gives you a lot of uh you know strength being up there like that um, and having that in mind as well yeah. Yeah. um would you encourage what would you encourage uh or what's your message to people who do want to get into this um you know Enjoy, recitation you
2: yeah mm. uh, i think um I mean, the first thing I would say that, uh, um, you know, whether it's reciting or whether you have a, a skill of poetry or whether you have a skill of, mm-hmm. um, you know, discussing or talking about Imam Hussein or the Ahlul Bayt or anything, do it. Because, you know what, anything little, um, it's it's still in service of Imam Hussein. So whatever skill you have, and, you know, it may be, um, even if you say, for example, you play football, you're an amazing football player, and I mean... The proper football, not soccer, as as they uh, you know it's termed over there. <laughs> um, so if if you're a, if you're a football player, for example, something you could do again to serve Imam Hussein is maybe organize a football tournament, and uh, we know there's this a huge body who is Hussein that's out there, who are doing a phenomenal job. Um, you know, organize a tournament and have Hussein sponsor it. So, and you know, have messages from Imam Hussein there, and what you're doing there is you're using a skill that you have. Mm-hmm. And putting it towards the service of the Ahlul Bayt. So the first point is, you know what? Anything, anything that you're good at, or anything that you do in life, try tailor it towards um, the service of Aba Abdullah Hussein. And you know that that is um, that will attain you some satisfaction that you you know that you don't actually know exists until you do it. Um, but if and but with recitation, like I said earlier, you know if you if you have a passion, and um, you know you feel that you perhaps haven't got a, a you know your voice isn't fine tuned there or you know we have to realize that everybody begins at at a very basic level but mm-hmm. the idea is if your intention is clean and you know you want to do it to please allah to please our imams um, just keep practicing keep practicing and you know what it doesn't matter how it how you sound eventually allah will give you that blessing and allah will and even if he doesn't you know maybe the blessing is the, your sincerity which some people don't have that sincerity itself could be a blessing so you know whatever passion you have especially if it's reciting Make sure you do it, you know, don't stop and, um, you know, keep practicing, even practice in front of your parents, in front mm-hmm. of your friends in small crowds. Um, but, you know, get, get it done and uh, inshallah, you'll get the reward and the peace satisfaction as well inshallah. from
1: it. And if you have a passion for football, you can come out to the Emoji Games 2020.
2: <laughs> as oh, there well. you go. There you go. Promotion. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
1: um, it's going to be in Richmond, Virginia this year. So it's um, in a few months. Uh, yeah and, no, I,
2: I had the last one it was yeah, really big so i had a lot of my friends big, yes. actually went so alhamdulillah good good job you guys are doing a phenomenal job absolutely so maybe you know, we'll
1: see you there this year as well
2: uh, insh- inshallah, <laughs> inshallah, yeah. my, my game is volleyball so that that's a what was <laughs> my game so if, if that's there then we can think about it
1: <laughs> unfortunately not but you could try out football
2: I could, I could try out I could try and share lunch.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for um, the amazing advice you've given us today. Uh, what's your final piece of advice? So uh, we've come to our to the end of our show, unfortunately, but we'd love to uh, hear no, your final no. message.
2: So I think um, I, just to kind of reiterate what I've said in terms of um, you know your passions in life, whether it's um, you know whether it's regarding your career, whether it's regarding um, recitation. If we can, it's very important to try do everything. For the service of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, because even going to work, you're serving God. Because what you're doing is you're you know you're earning um, rizq, and you are providing for your family, and uh, which is a mustahab act. And you know you are providing, mm-hmm. and so it's all. In the at the end of the day, it's all in the service of Allah. And I think sometimes what we don't do is we don't actually keep God in our mind, and we lose that thawab. And all you have to do is just think, you know what? I'm working for the sake of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala And you get immense Sawab straight away So it's I think it's a case of Just keep Allah In the forefront of Whatever it is that you do Whether it's working Whether it's um, You know Doing something in service Of the Ahlul Bayt directly Such as reciting Or giving majalis um, Yeah Keep keep Allah In your mind And you know That that will prevent you From going astray And it will also Keep you steadfast On the right path
1: Inshallah Thank you so much Imran.
2: No no Anytime Thank you so much For having me and um inshallah i i really i you know appreciate what you guys do and it's a phenomenal thing that you're going to do trying to get the young um engaged into this kind of thing where it's like a little community so yeah um, i think it's phenomenal what you guys do and may allah reward you guys for all your efforts inshallah
1: thank
0: you so much
2: ahsan take care of yourself
0: Me you too you were just listening to the UMentor talk show. If you miss this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the UMentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to our iTunes podcast so you never miss another show. If you want to reach out to today's speaker or speakers from any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, just visit our online platform at umojooutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups or visit the UMentor website and hit the link for online platform. Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook Live. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3pm to hear more stories from our next guests.